everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today is a very special guest, certainly very special to me, the person that I've known longest of anyone in the world. <laughs> yes, who are you? I am Donnelly Strand, your mom, of course. That's true. <laughs> and, and I am a Muppet fan. Um, I have, uh, who am I? I? Yeah, I have been a fan mostly because of you. That's that's true, I think. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, so hey, it's my mom, everyone. It is very nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. All right. And you are joining us today for minutes 73 and 74. In these minutes, Philip Phil helps the Mad Ave ad agency come up with a new slogan for Ocean Breeze Soap, and everyone else gets ready for Manhattan Melodies. So we open here with the Mad Ave frogs all saying, we know, in unison. Uh. Uh, and to, to refresh viewers' memory or listeners' memories, uh, what do they know? They know that Kermit has never heard of Ocean Breeze Soap, <laughs> which is what they said at the end of the last clip. They are not um, good at their jobs. They are not. <laughs> They are not good at their jobs. Um, so Jill says, the truth is, Phil, our jobs are on the line. And uh, Bill says they've been working all night on a new slogan. And Gil comes, uh, says that slogan, which is Ocean Breeze Soap for people who don't want to stink. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I like that Bill is doing the, like, sitting backwards in his chair. Like, I don't know. and you, Like, his, his jacket is off. You can definitely tell that they've been working for a long time. Right, right. Like, working around yeah, the clock. It actually reminds me a little bit of some of those scenes on the Dick Van Dyke show where Rob and Buddy and Sally will be just like trying to finish a sketch or something sure. and like, don't have any ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, they ask Phil what they think. And what I love there is that Gil and Jill are both on either side of him. Get in real close for his reaction, <laughs> like waiting to see what he's going to say. They seem hungry for, for someone to tell them what to do. Right. Well, yeah. And also their office is all askew. Like I noticed the signs, the ocean. Ocean breeze soap. Yeah. And it's, they're all crooked and huh. yeah, kind of a mess. So. Do you think that they started out orderly and it's just, they've been at it so long that Probably. they've like, like bump banged their heads against the wall and Probably. tilted the sign. Yeah. The other, those are all also different logos, like slightly different designs. So I guess uh, they've been, you know, trying to find just the perfect logo for this product. I also wonder who actually made these designs. If that was Michael Frith, who's the design consultant for this movie, or if there was somebody else who would have come up with those, like a production designer. Yeah, that's a good question. I yeah, yeah I'm not sure because I although I, I do wish that there was like Ocean Breeze soap production design as a credit in the credits. Oh, there's no. yeah, yeah, we want to know. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, um, they should make T-shirts of of the actual. <laughs> I don't know which one they end up with, but uh, of maybe the th Ocean Breeze logo. Yeah, Muppet fans would buy those. They would. Well, like I mean, I'm sure other Muppet fans do this. Suave has a body wash called Ocean Breeze, yes. ah. and I buy it all like in my guest bathroom. That's what soap we have is Ocean Breeze soap in your because guest bathroom. In our guest bathroom, because ha if I have a guest in my home, I want them to <laughs> to get clean. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want them to stink. Soap. Right, exactly. Is that, is that a hint? <laughs> <laughs> so, has anyone ever commented on it? Yes, one guest has commented on Ocean Breeze soap. This will not come as a shock to you or our listeners. It was Joe Hennis. Ah, okay. Yeah. 
he was like, do you know what soap you have in your bedroom? I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Do I? I and breeze soap intentionally. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so, but anyway, so they say the slogan for people who don't want to stink. And Phil, in fact, says, I don't like it. Yeah. So um, what I love about that, though, is Jill then throws her head back in despair. And Gil says, you don't? And he gets this panicked look on his face. And specifically, it's it's the same look Steve Whitmire does with Wembley all the time. Oh. When he's panicked or worried. It's like the exact same expression. And I don't, I'm, I'm not one who really notices puppetry styles that much. But just like all of a sudden Gil's face transforms into Wembley's face here. <laughs> for me yeah i guess the puppets are both pretty flexible so he can just kind of like scrunch their faces in the same kind of way yeah that's cool yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i liked how their their expressions i mean i just felt like again i i think i just said it but they were so hungry for answers and that in shock when it's i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) i'm guessing they've been saying that to each other before right just be like it's good enough right yeah sure sure whatever man yeah um, but then Bill says another one, another idea they've presumably been kicking around ocean breeze soap. It's like taking an ocean cruise, only there's no boat and you don't actually go anywhere. Yeah. Which that's, this is actually my favorite one. Like, well, I would, I would buy a product if the magazine ad said, it's just like taking an ocean cruise, only there's no boat and you don't actually yeah, go. Yeah. And I could actually see now anyway, I could see that being in a commercial or a print ad or something because a lot of ads, I, I know that in the eighties, there were definitely a lot of funny ads and commercials, but now it seems like the majority of commercials are supposed to be funny or wacky. So I could definitely see this as a slogan, like sort of self-aware, wink, wink, jokey kind of <laughs> The, the kind of thing right. you see in the, in the era of Geico commercials where they're all sort of self-aware and silly. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, but all Phil says is that it seems a bit long. Yes. And then they, and then they all groan again. Right. <laughs> um, but what Phil says then is, have you tried something simple? Like, as I've already alluded to ocean breeze, soap will get you clean. Um, and they all go nuts. They love this. And that's so Kermit. Yeah, that is exactly what he would. I mean, even when he's even when, even he's when he being, knows who he is, when he's being Kermit and knows who he is, that's how he would answer his li- his group of friends. Yeah, I thought I just, just very straightforward. Yeah, I yeah. just like that about him. He carries it through no matter if he's lost his memory or he's <laughs> you know just his old self. Yeah, yeah, right. I like that. Sure, um, but yeah, so so Bill, what I love is that Bill's immediate reaction is, "Wait a minute, wait just a second. Yeah. As though, like, he originally wanted him to wait a minute and then lowered the requirement because he's so excited (laughs) about having a good slogan. Yeah, hey, who has time to wait a minute? Right. Code of the seconds. Um, But, yeah, so then he says, you mean just say what the product does? No one's ever tried that. Although, like, I don't know, man. I feel like you look at print ads from the 1950s and that's all they are. Right. That's another thing where advertising Mm -hmm. has gone in phases where they used to just tell you what the product does and then... By this time, it's very much about like selling the lifestyle or the attitude. Where you, like this is around the same time that Pepsi started the choice of a new generation uh, campaign, where it's not about Pepsi is a good cola beverage and you should drink it. It's like all the cool young people drink Pepsi, mm-hmm. right? Coke, Coke is for old fogies, right? Right, right. So they're yeah, they're they're astonished. Right. At- <laughs> I like Coke. 
<laughs> but yeah, they're astonished by the idea of going back and just saying like, oh, this is what the soap does. It gets you clean. Right. So was that sarcasm or was that really the thought at the time? What do you mean? Commercials. Like, were they trying to be funny by saying that? I think, I mean, I think, yeah, I think at the time, I mean, well, like what are the popular ad campaigns of this time? Where's the beef? Right. Which has been mentioned in this movie. Yeah. That doesn't mention what the product does. I mean, right. I guess it kind of does. Well, in that case, it's, it's mostly uh, like putting down the competition rather than. Right, right. McDonald's has tiny ham- hamburgers, yeah. as Thomas would yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wendy has old fashioned hamburgers. <laughs> Where was Dave Thomas from? Uh, you know, good question. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I did not know you did a Dave Thomas impression. My Dave Thomas <laughs> is, my good. Dave Thomas impression <laughs> consists entirely of Wendy's old fashioned hamburgers. <laughs> but um <laughs> I, I wish Dave Thomas was in this movie. Um uh, it'd be great. I'd everybody love, else was. I, everyone else was in it. That's <laughs> there was, true. There were quite a few. <laughs> yeah. Videos. That's right. Um, but I was going to say about Bill here, who's who's the one who is aghast. Bill has the most lines by far out of any of the three frogs, I feel like, in this clip. And I wonder if that's because Dave Goals was like the go-to Kermit impersonator on The Muppet Show. Oh. You know, he, he played Kermit the Pig in the Florida Leachman episode. Hmm. Played Kermit's acting teacher in the Linda Lavin episode. Very funny. He's like, a guy that that sounds and acts just like Kermit. Right. He also does the yay thing. Right. Exactly. So I don't know if it's just like these guys are all, these guys are all doing Kermit imitations, right? Like, yes. like we talked about last time, like even Steve Whitmire, who would become Kermit, you know, six yeah, years ago. Like he's basically doing his, his later Kermit. as Yeah. Bill, there's right? a couple of lines here where he really sounds like Kermit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but Dave Goals had the most experience as, as a Kermit imper- impersonator. So I wonder if that's why they gave him most of the lines. I, I don't could, know. Could be, yeah. But anyways, they all love this this slogan. They go nuts. Like Jill <laughs> literally says, "It's nuts," and Gil says, "It's crazy." <laughs> like the idea of just seeing what the product does, and then they all say in unison, "We love it." <laughs> so then they ask what they can do for him. Phil says, "I kind of need a job." I love that. <laughs> Which is like so Phil's wavery voice. I feel like that's right. when it's at its most wavery yeah. in the entire in the entire clip. Mm-hmm. I yeah. kind of need a job. That's good. Thank <laughs> you. I've been I've been working on that since you've been practicing. Oh, yeah. not just today, but since you first saw no, the movie. Ever since the first time I saw the movie, I was Years. just like yeah. Philip Phil is my favorite Muppet. <laughs> Actually, you should, remember I asked you to put Philip Phil on my graduation cake. You did, and I don't know that I understood why. No, no, that did not happen. No, I thought, I thought about it. I'm sure, but although I did, I actually we could talk about this. I had Wembley Fraggle. It was me and a superimposed Wembley Fraggle in some of my senior pictures. Yes, yes, do I remember do that? remember that. that. Absolutely, that actually happened. Yep, it did. I was ready to believe that you had Philip Phil on your graduation cake. No, and I, you know, now I would do that. Now, after yeah. <laughs> this much, I'd be more than willing. Yeah. So <laughs> if I ask you to put Philip Phil on birthday cake, my no, it's going to be my. 10th wedding anniversary. Ah, there you go. It's just going to be Philip <laughs> Phil. Roz would be into it, I think. Yeah, she might be. Well, you could say I, Philip Phil and Jill. There you do go. Phil and Jill. <laughs> yeah. Are they married? Do, do Kermit yeah, and Jill I, get married at the end of this? Isn't that the wedding that happens at the end of this movie? It's the wedding, yes. There should have been a wedding. There, there is a wedding. I know, but Kermit there should. I know, but that's a great one. But there should have been Jen and Jenny and Ronnie. My mom has this idea that Jenny and Ronnie have 
just a deep well of romantic I, I chemistry. I think they did, and then I was disappointed <laughs> that they didn't marry at the end. Yeah, I think I don't. I, I think I did hear somewhere that that was like considered, but then they decided it was like there was no reason to focus on the two humans in right. favor of the Muppets. Yeah, yeah. which is true. Which they, is yeah, true. they could have had a double wedding. Yeah, Ron, Ronnie Crawford and Jenny. Yeah, yeah. that would have been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can see it. Yeah, I can see it when you said it. Yep. <laughs> um, and they, they will appear shortly, but first, um, after Phil says, "I kind of need a job." Um, they all kind of look at each other, and then Gil says, "Phil, you've got one right here. We can always use a frog with horse sense." Yeah, I, I always <laughs> like jokes like that, which the Muppets do fairly often. Of like, it's a it's an idiom about an animal, and they're applying it to a different animal. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but like, it, do, it does make me wonder though: what is the structure of this office that Gil apparently just makes a uni- unilateral hiring decision? Because like, <laughs> oh. he, he does not seem to be in charge before that. You think they're all equal? I, it it kind of seems like it, yeah. Yeah. I hmm. he's you think Gil's in charge? Well, I kind of, was he behind the desk? Uh, no, Bill was behind the desk. Oh, then that is. This is the little guy with glasses. I get their names mixed. Yeah, well, that makes sense because they all <laughs> essentially have the same name. Well, yeah, there and there are only three of them working there as far as we see. So I also right. wonder, you know, if Mad Men showed us that it takes a lot of people to run an advertising agency. So are the three yep. frogs, like, are they the creative and the accounts people and the you know, answering the phones and all that stuff. Well, well later, uh, Phil, when he finds out that he's in love with Miss Piggy or whatever, mm-hmm. says, wait till I tell the guys in marketing. Yeah. Uh, so these are the guys in marketing, right? right. right? Yeah. Or does like, that imply that this is creative and there are other, like other frogs or mm-hmm. other people working in the marketing department that we marketing. just don't see? Yeah. Cause it's been a while. It's, I mean, it's like two weeks, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't yeah. Ronnie see the show is opening in two weeks. I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but so anyways, they all they all are excited. They welcome Phil aboard and pat him on the back. They all nod happily. I love that that it's it's a classic example of the Muppet nod where they're all just like looking at each other and nodding. Yeah. You know? yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um and Jill so, says, You are with us now, which sounds sort of ominous to us as yeah, the viewers. Because like, yeah. we don't want, you know, we want Kermit to reunite with his friends. And, and like, wait, no, he's not supposed to be with these frogs. He has a new group of friends, and the new Muppet show is going to just be these four frogs <laughs> in a sitcom. It's going to be like a taxi esque sitcom. Um, Actually, that so, could work. It, it could. I'd, I'd watch it. Throw honestly. in a few wacky supporting characters. Yeah. Yeah, all all frogs, all and sure. I don't know, and all frogs with hair except for Kermit. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I noticed that. It's so funny. Yeah. Kermit um, had no hair, and they all Kermit, did. Yeah, yeah. Kermit, and most Muppet frogs don't have hair. But this crew did. They do. The yeah. hairy marketing group. That's that's <laughs> how you get a job in marketing. And like Phil has a hat on, that's why they don't know. Right. Ah. That he doesn't have any hair. He could just um, be bald. He could. Mm-hmm. He is, as it turns out. <laughs> um, so. Any other thoughts about the Mad Av ad agency scene before we move on? Either of you. Um, I just wanted to... So I mentioned in a previous episode that we forgot or didn't talk about the I Heart New York t-shirt that Animal wore in a previous scene. Um, There is... I don't... I forgot to mark the exact time, but in this clip, you can see a mug that has the I Heart New York logo on it. So 
just to mention that because it's it's semi-interesting um there is an entry on that bowery boys blog uh, that talks about the filming locations for this movie that mentions this uh the iheart new york logo it was created in 1977 by graphic designer milton glazer i sort of think of it as being older than that but so that means that when this movie was made it was like you know six or seven years old only so Um, and also Milton Glaser, he designed a, a ton of uh, other logos for businesses well, and schools and things. I, I I always think of him as the guy who designed the DC Bullet. Yes, the DC Comics logo from 1976 until 2005. Yes, um, and, and which should still be the DC Comics logo. It should. It, it, it was. There was no reason to drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've gone through a few since then, but that was the, the logo for years and years. Yeah, it was like almost thirty years, and in the in the fifteen years since, they've gone through like three different ones. Yeah, none of which are as good. good. Yeah, they yeah. should just go back to it. Yeah, yeah, it was the one where they are. It's like the one, the letter D peeling back to show the letter C. That one's not good. Come on, that's terrible. I hate yeah. that. Bring bring back the Milton Glaser bullet. But anyway, uh, the Bowery Boys blog also says uh, the irony of loving a particular city that was in serious social and financial crisis was not lost on the designer. It was the mid-70s, a terrible moment in the city. Morale was at the bottom of the pit, Glazer said in an interview. Uh, Then suddenly the city simultaneously got fed up and said, it's our city, we're going to take it back. We're not going to allow this stuff to happen. And part of that was this campaign. So he actually gave away the rights to this design so he didn't make any money all the t-shirts that have been sold all the mugs like the one on uh on bill's desk uh, like the t-shirt that animals was wearing milton glazer never made any money on that it was just uh, sort of like his his gift to the city wow it's neat so yeah i thought that was interesting that is that's awesome yeah um but so anyways we then cut to the biltmore theater the outside of the biltmore theater where the marquee for Manhattan Melodies is going up. We see Statler and Waldorf outside. Statler says, well, Waldorf, they finally made it to Broadway. Waldorf, yep, and I already got tickets. You did? Are they good seats? They sure are. They're for the next train out of town. <laughs> yeah. And then they both laugh, which is a that, good, solid solid Statler and Waldorf bit. Yeah. That you is know. a good Statler and Waldorf joke. And actually, in the March 7th, 1983 draft of the screenplay, there was a different joke that was not as good. Waldorf says, hey, Statler, I wonder how much the tickets are. And Statler says, if they're free, they're overpriced. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not I mean, bad. Yeah. It's fine, but it's just kind of the typical, like, hey, <laughs> do we like this thing? No, we don't like this thing. Right. But And 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 I believe, I guess we'll see when we get there. But I was looking for it when I, when I, we watched it this morning with my kids. Um, I don't believe they're at the theater later. So, like, I think they oh. really did take the next train out of town. Yeah, we yeah we don't see them in the audience, right? Which is kind of fun. Yeah, Um, but anyway, so while we're while we're here, this is the first time we see the exterior of the Biltmore Theater in the movie. The Biltmore Theater was, of course, a real theater on Broadway. It opened in 1925. It's still operation. I mean, Broadway's dark still as we're recording this, of course, but um, up until you know 2020 and hopefully into the future, it will be open. And it was renamed the Samuel J. Friedman Theater after a theater publicist hmm. in 2008. So that's yeah. what it is now, Samuel J. Friedman Theater. Yeah, it has um, not been open continuously since 1925. It had some sort of uh, some some dark years, but it's right, yeah, right. it's been bought and refurbished. Right. The one that I thought was really fascinating is that if throughout the 50s CBS used it as a radio venue, 
CBS recorded radio shows. There. Yeah, radio and television. Were you able to find any specific productions that were? Yeah, I didn't see any, but I'd love no, to I know. Oh, I'd, I'd love to know what they, what radio and TV they filmed there or recorded there. Right. Yeah. Right. Could you could you hear? You know, X minus one. Like recorded. Yeah. Was that on CBS? That was I, nah, that might have been on NBC. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I wish I knew old time radio better. X minus one, the sci-fi anthology series. Sci-fi anthology series of which Ryan and I are both fans. Yes. Um, and which you bought me a tape for so I'm my there and I'm a fan as well. So you're a fan because <laughs> you bought me the Radio Spirits uh 60 greatest ra- old time radio shows of the 20th century or something. Wow. Introduced mm. by Walter Okay. You got me that for my birthday mm-hmm. when I was in about ninth grade. Wow. And good it had for me. <laughs> <laughs> and there was an X minus one on there. Wow. And it was a good one. Yeah. And I can't help you out with this because even though I'm your mom, I'm not old enough to know those old time radio. No, shows. no. That's, that's <laughs> before your time. I know. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure everyone knew that. <laughs> it's my mom's birthday today. She's 26 years old. Ah, happy birthday. Thank right. you. Thank you. Yep. All right. No, but anyways. Um, so the, when the theater was a Broadway theater, though, it did host some notable productions over the years. Some like I was looking at, I'm not going to list every show that ever played there, but uh, the first U.S. production of Jean-Paul Sartre's No Exit in 1946 hmm. was at the Biltmore. Barefoot in the Park ran hmm. there for four years, 1963 to yeah. 67, which is the longest run any Neil Simon show wow. had on Broadway. Really? Huh. Yeah. Four years. I mean, that's that's a lot, you know, yeah. for, for a comedy. It's not a musical, you know. It's a fun show. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's a fun movie. I haven't seen the play. Yeah, the movie is good. Um, but uh, and then less fun, as far as I'm concerned, Hair debuted there in 1968. Yeah, I've actually um, seen two productions, two different productions of Hair in New York City, but neither one was at this theater, and neither one was in 1968. Correct. I'm I'm not <laughs> that old. I imagine. Um, and then. Uh, the other one, so Paul Zindel's The Effect of Gamma Rays on Man in the Moon Marigolds. I love that title. Had its Broadway debut there in 1978, which you know Paul Zindel, he wrote The Pig Man. I've heard of this. Yeah, you've heard, heard of that play? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just, I think I, did I read The Pig Man in your class? No. Yeah, I read it in fifth grade. Yeah, it must have been that. I don't know. My <laughs> mom was my fourth grade teacher. I should say that to the audience. Um, so that's why I said in your class to my mother <laughs> yeah. just now. Yeah, sorry, I think I, I stepped on that a little bit. She was your fourth grade teacher, you said. She was my fourth grade teacher, that's right. Cool. So that's, but that's who our guest is this week. It's my fourth grade teacher. Yes. Mrs. Strong. <laughs> oh, I should, I should see if my fourth grade teacher wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you said that's a big I, pivotal year. <laughs> that's a good year. Oh, absolutely. Year. I should track down Mrs. Birdwell. Yeah, Mrs. Birdwell? Yeah. That's awesome. That's, yeah, a, great, that's a great I, I also wanted to say, um, the effect of... Uh, gamma rays on Mar- man in the moon marigolds that is a great clue if you're ever playing charades where you have to get the other team to to have you know to make their team guess the title yeah that would be a good challenge yeah it's a good one yeah, yeah that makes awesome. sense um and then it was also saw the debuts of two musicals that seem like poor choices for musicals the uh Doonesbury musical debuted there in 1983 yeah it's very short run very short run indeed and uh, then a musical based on To Be or Not To Be, the Ernst Lubitsch movie oh. in 2008, which is one of those things where like Mel Brooks starred in the remake of that movie in 1983. So I have to imagine that it was like the producers is a hit. What else is related that we could mm. make 
musical to be or not to be you, you know yeah um, huh. but but that was 2008 so uh yeah those are just some of the many shows you could have caught at the Biltmore you could not of course catch Manhattan Melodies there because it does not exist it was not a real show sadly right, right. <laughs> um but yeah did you have any any other Biltmore thoughts Ryan? Um no, the more? only other thing I saw on the list was uh, Death Trap, which is another I've I've seen the play and the movie and it's it's a good one. So is that that's like some some manner of farce, right? That's not um, a real. It's trap, right? yeah, it's funny. It's uh, it's I think only two actors or maybe three in the show. It's it's sort of tonally similar to Sleuth if you've ever seen that. I've seen the movie, but uh, yeah, it's a fun one. Oh okay, awesome. Um, so anyways, then we next cut to Pete's. While Statler and Waldorf are laughing it up about taking the next train in, out of town, we cut to Pete's where Ronnie Crawford is not laughing. He is distraught because the show opens in just one week. The publicity started and tickets are already selling. Oh, it's only one week. Uh, they'll have to rehearse day and night and they have got to find Kermit. Mm-hmm. They've got to find Kermit. Um, so, of course, all the other Muppets having recently returned Rolf turns to Fozzie and says, hey, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Jenny says that he's Ronnie Crawford. He's producing the show. Fozzie then asks Rolf, who's she? Yeah. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, and Piggy then, of course, says, Jenny, she's a friend of Kermit's and, and mine. And she and Jenny kind of smile at each other. Um, th- this is the only indication we ever get that Piggy and Jenny ha- have made up and become friends. Like we don't really see it happen. I mean, they're both excited when Kermit sells the show. I guess that's like the moment when they, when they become friends or yeah. something. Well, but, and presumably they've, they've bonded now over their concern for Kermit. I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> been, it's been a week or whatever week or two. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it always felt to me like, there should be another beat of like Piggy realizes that Jenny was never moving in on her man. Yeah. <laughs> just like a, like, maybe just a brief scene between the two of them at Pete's a little bit before this. Yeah. Yeah. But and again, like, I don't think it really hurts the movie that it doesn't happen. Do you yet. think there was and they cut it out? Maybe we should write Frank Oz. We should tweet at Frank Oz. Yeah. <laughs> Ask if that was ever, ever included. Say, Hey man. Piggy and Jenny's arc feels incomplete. No. Yeah. What do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> Don't say it like that. That's what I tell for guys. <laughs> you would say you would start by saying, "Hey, man." Hey, yeah, man. I, I saw you, so. I saw you in the store buying a can of beans, no. and I, I wanted to approach you and ask. No, if you met Frank Oz, it would be very different. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. It would. You're in admiration of that man. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Me? Yeah. Frank Oz. Oh, yeah. If you say so. <laughs> All right. Well, um, uh, this this whole little exchange, though, is very a very efficient way of establishing both that Piggy and Kermit are, I mean, that Jenny and Piggy are friends now. And also, you know, just letting all of the Muppets know who Ronnie and Jenny are. Like, And they just right. do it in three lines of dialogue. So, uh, you know, and they, they were there earlier. They were all at Pete's and Jenny was working there, but none of them met her except Kermit. So... They're just like, kind of getting getting all this little exposition out of the way very quickly. So it's I like the way they did that. You're right. Yeah. No. It it's good. It, it works. Yeah. Um, but anyways, then Rolf says, "Well, what are we standing around here for? We gotta find Kermit. Do they in fact find Kermit? I don't know. We'll find out next week. Mm. 
will be Kermit marries Jill at the end of this movie, and the moment's <laughs> never seen him again. Well, I gave away a little bit about Jenny. That's Johnny. right. Yeah, That's sorry right. About that. uh, yes, yeah. because because our audience who are yeah. listening to this podcast have never seen <laughs> Muppets Take Manhattan. Yes, they've never seen it. Never seen it. They yeah. just want. They just wanted to hear us talk about it <laughs> sure. for some reason. Yeah. Um, no, but so that does bring us to the end of the scene. Any other thoughts about these two minutes or the movie in general uh, before we before we move on, Donnelly? I'll start with you. You know, I like I said before, I watched parts of it that mm-hmm. I remembered before. I, I couldn't remember if I'd seen the whole thing. But when I watched it today, I I really liked it. I liked it more than I remembered liking it. I remember I was, telling you, eh, I don't know if I even liked this one that much. And it, honestly, it made me laugh out loud. And any movie that makes me laugh out loud is good. It's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, so, I was I was so pleased by how much you enjoyed it. it it's oh, big fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you Oh, what? I just can say, what are some other like favorite comedies that make you laugh out loud? Boy, there's very few. Um, you know, Mel Brooks, some of his stuff did mm-hmm. make me laugh out. Sure. Is that Young Frankenstein? Young Frankenstein, yeah. Young Frankenstein makes me laugh right out loud. Um, can I tell you which ones I was thinking of? Sure, Singing in the Rain. Yep, that makes oh, me yeah. laugh out. Yep. Groundhog Day. <laughs> Groundhog Day. No matter how many times I see it over, uh-huh. it makes me laugh <laughs> right out loud. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. um, Philadelphia Story. Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was the Tom Hanks. No, the, no. the Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> Very <was>. different. <laughs> I know. I got confused there, but yeah, that, um, those, those older. Yeah, those are ones that I th- when I think of comedies that you like, or um, hmm. I mean a lot of Christmas ones. It's like yeah. you like Elf. Christmas in Connecticut. Christmas in Connecticut, oh, you love. I laugh um, out loud you, at that you, one. You, you recently became obsessed with It Happened on Fifth Avenue. Yes. Yep. Hmm. Um, yeah, I like those. Yeah, I don't know if they're similar in many. I mean, they <laughs> probably are, but but the Muppets. These series of movies do make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The only part in this one I didn't like, I don't like the rats. Yeah. You're uh, grossed out. Like, like rats, rats and like mice. Gen- and, sorry. Yeah. Rats oh, in the no, kitchen. Like, oh. yeah. yeah. You were like genuinely disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> That's the part I didn't like in this one. But <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Um, but so, yeah. Uh, well, Ryan, do you have anything to add? Yeah. Uh, a couple things. Um, so in a previous episode, I noted, I, and I've, forgot who first pointed this out to us that in Jenny's first scene, she was wearing a penguin pin on her uniform. And then I noticed that later she was wearing a fish pin on her uniform in a different scene. So I was looking to see if she was wearing a pin in this scene. She's not because she's not wearing her uniform, but she's wearing a t-shirt that is covered with all these little multicolored sunglasses, which is very cool. It it feels kind of eighties, I guess, which maybe is one of the few things that dates this movie a little bit, but uh, including, except for also Piggy's hair. Yes, Piggy's <laughs> perm is the number one thing that dates this movie. But something about multicolored sunglasses on a t-shirt just makes me yeah. think of the 80s. But yeah. but I like mm-hmm. it. It's cool. Uh, also, in the March 7th, 1983 draft of the screenplay, this section of the movie is in a little bit of a different order. And the equivalent of this scene at Pete starts with all the Muppets already having been told that Kermit is missing. Mm-hmm. And so Piggy says, we thought we'd find him by now, but we've looked everywhere. Rizzo says, not us. We've been working. We work for tips. Do you know how hard it is to feed a family on tips? (laughs) Do you realize? And then Floyd cuts him off and says, hey, we heard it. (laughs) That's That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And then Jenny says... Ronnie and I checked the hospitals, the police stations, even the aquariums. Sure, they had frogs, but not Kermit. 
And Peggy <laughs> says, that's right, they didn't even look like Kermit. They didn't have those cute little eyes or those sweet little flippers. And then she starts crying, and that's when everybody decides that they, oh. have, to, they have to get out there and find Kermit. So um, yeah. not quite as, I don't know, it doesn't, doesn't uh, flow quite as well that way. So I think I'm glad that we ended up with what we did in the movie. But mm-hmm. these, these changes are always interesting. Yeah. Right, right. It is. Okay, so before we go, I, I warned you that this was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, you are, I, you, we usually ask our guests, do you remember the first time you saw the movie? What's your history with it? And I mean, I think you answered that. Right. Your, your history with it is that like sometimes I had it on in the other room. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. But um, where would you rank it among the Muppet movies? And like in general, what's your favorite Muppet movies, least favorite? Uh, my very favorite is The Muppets. The Muppets. That's Jason Siegel. That's the one. I like that one. I just thought it was funny. I and I love Chris Cooper, mm-hmm. so I just I saw the bad guy it was terrible, but he kind of stayed throughout the movie a little bit more than in this like, one. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the only one really where yeah. that doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, there's really not a villain. No, he, if it's anyone, it's Dab Coleman. He's gone so fast, yeah, right, and right. I like him. He's gone too fast, I thought. But um, that one would be first. Second would be the Muppet movie, just because it was first. Right, that's the first that's one. The first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the moving. I like the moving right along song. In that yeah, one. yeah, which is what our podcast is named after. You know that. Yes, right? I did yeah. know that, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying it just because of that. Right, right. But I, I did love that in that one. I would say this one probably ranks third. Third one. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny, and it's um, you know, I like Muppet Treasure Island too. That would probably come. Mm-hmm. We saw that in the right theater next. together. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. You, me, and Benjamin, and, yes. and my cousin Christian. Yeah, and I like that one too. So I. I would say this one's probably third. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Great. Yep. Thank you. All right. Well, that brings us down to the end for today. Uh, listeners, you can always check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter. You can now support us on Patreon. If you're so inclined to do so, we would appreciate that. And you can email us with any questions or, you know, just to say hi to my mom. You can email <laughs> us at moving right along at toughpigs.com. Thank you to Stacy Rosen for writing our theme music and to Morgan Davey for designing our logo. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe and uh, Donnelly, where can listeners find you if they're looking for you? Uh, just contact Anthony. <laughs> or Ryan. On this, um, yeah. It's funny. Cause that's what Raz always says. To <laughs> yeah. When she's been on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll pour in. They, so just I'll, I'll, let yeah. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Thank you um, for letting me be here. Thanks so much for oh, doing yeah. it. So Thank glad. you for being it was here. So fun. Fun. Um, I thought so too. And listeners, if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on iTunes and tell all your friends to listen to the show. Join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. You are with us now. <laughs> <laughs>